There's a story that I once heard about a minister trying to get serious in his Sunday sermons and speak about the imminence of death and its power over us. His opening sentence on this particular Sunday uh, for his sermon was this. He said, in 100 years, every member of this church will be dead. And after he said that, a man seated in about the fourth row just began to laugh. Now, in case you don't know it, there are a few things, not many things, but a few things in the world that are kind of upsetting to a preacher. And one of those is when someone misses the mood or the tone or the intent of what they are trying to say. So this preacher thought that maybe the man had just misheard him, and so he said it again. I am here to say that within the next 100 years, every member of this church will be dead. And that same man started to laugh again. The preacher was now a little angry, and so he turned to the laughing man and he said, do you think this is funny? And the man said, well, yes, yes I do. And the preacher said, why do you think this is funny? And the man said, because I'm not a member of this church. <laughs> I think that Jesus in our, in our passage for today is, is delivering a message and his disciples don't seem to understand the mood, the, the intent of what he is saying. They're, they're not laughing at Jesus, but I imagine that they are not totally clear on what he is talking about. This, this passage that we hear today is a small piece of a larger passage, which in John's gospel account is called Jesus' farewell discourse. This farewell discourse begins in chapter 13 and goes all the way through chapter 17. Today we find ourselves back in a story that takes place on the night before Jesus is to be crucified. We are going back before the Easter event to hear Jesus talk with his friends about what will happen after the Easter event. So it's Passover, it's the Last Supper. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He has given them a new commandment that they are to love others as they have been loved by him. And now he is, he is talking with them about what is to come next. And they they can't seem to understand what he is saying to them. Jesus, in today's passage, tells them some bad news, and then he tells them some good news. The bad news, he says, is that he is going away. The good news, the good news is that the Holy Spirit will be with them to teach them and to remind them of everything that Jesus has said. And then the even better news, Jesus is giving them peace, true peace, unlike the peace which the world might offer them. I think that some of the scariest times in life are those moments when we are all alone and we don't know what is going to happen to us. Maybe you are stranded on some obscure road of a little-known city with a, a broken-down car and no cell phone service. Who will help me, you think? Or maybe your spouse, your partner has just died and the, the future looks entirely bleak. How can I go on without this person, you might be asking? Or maybe you've just lost your job and you have no idea how you're going to pay your bills when they start to come in. When, when these moments creep into our lives, we feel abandoned, maybe we feel desperate or alone. What will happen to me is the question that we say over and over to ourselves. I, I think this must be how the disciples are feeling as they are gathered together with Jesus, listening to him say goodbye. What do you mean you are leaving us? How will we survive? How will we go on? How can we continue doing this without you? And it's in the midst of that fear and anxiety that Jesus begins to speak. 
in our reading, after Jesus explains that he is going away, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. It seems to me that there are, there are a couple of ways that we tend to talk about peace in our day-to-day lives. The first way is, is sort of on a, a personal level. Most of us, I think, it's fair to say, seek peace in, in worldly things, comfort, ease, maybe reputation, knowing the right people, living in a, a nice house, driving a reliable car, wearing quality clothes. We'd probably say that we've achieved some level of peace if we have some or all of those things, and none of those things, by the way, are bad. I think that's one way that we talk about peace in our day-to-day lives. And then the second way that we talk about peace is more on a a communal or a a global level. I'm guessing that many of you, like I do, spend a great deal of your time praying for and thinking about how to bring about an end to violence in, in our city, in our country, in our world. Maybe you pray for peace in the Middle East, as we do every Sunday here at St. John's Church. Maybe you pray for peace in our streets where individuals are daily being shot and stabbed and killed as they make their way to the metro. Maybe you pray for peace in your home or in someone else's home where there is strife or discord. We pray for those things. We work to bring about some sort of peace, some sort of end to anger and hatred and violence, and all of that is good, holy, important work. So I think that's the the second way that we use this word, peace, in our day-to-day lives. But the peace about which Jesus speaks today, I think, goes even beyond all of our day-to-day understandings. This portion of our text for today is sometimes called Jesus' great bequest, because he is, he's giving, he's bequeathing something to his disciples, peace, his peace, not peace as we understand it in our worldly terms, but His peace that, as St. Paul says, passes all of our understanding. Catherine Jeffert Shorey, when she was the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, and and now probably as she teaches at Virginia Seminary, she likes to talk a whole lot about the, the shalom of God. It's a common refrain in her sermons and in her messages. She says that but shalom is a rich, multi hued vision of a world where everyone is invited to a seat at God's table. It's a vision, she says, of a world where no one is sick or imprisoned because all sorts of diseases have been healed. It's a vision, she says, of a world where no one enjoys abundance at the expense of another. Shalom means that all human beings live together as siblings, at peace with one another and with God, and in right relationship with all of the rest of creation. As Jesus sits with his disciples trying again to tell them about what is to come, he offers them that peace, that shalom, that wholeness. Jesus gives to his friends, to you and to me, the shalom of God, and we can begin to experience that shalom even if everything else in the world is is not yet good or just or even right. Jesus gives us the kind of peace that, that walks on water, that stills fierce storms, the kind of Jesus, peace that Jesus inaugurates is a, a peace that brings sight to the blind, that restores hearing to the deaf. It's, it's the kind of peace that fe- feeds hungry bodies and hungry souls. It's, it's the kind of peace that enables one to, to, to say to those who would beat and crucify and kill, Father, forgive them. That's, that's what Jesus brings to us. That's what Jesus offers to you and to me and to the world. 
The peace which the world gives is short-lived. It will not last forever. The peace, the shalom, the wholeness which Christ gives is eternal, unending. And if we let it, it will begin to arise within our hearts and pour forth from our lives. We have to let peace arise within our very being. And as William Sloan Coffin says, that, that takes some effort on our part. Coffin says that we would love to experience this peace without any, any effort, any work on our part. But he says that when Jesus promises us his peace, it's like a, a father promising a daughter a good education or a, a general promising his soldiers victory. It, it demands, it's a demand as well as a promise, he says, and we have to work to make this promise come true. This peace, it takes work. We have to love as Jesus has loved us. We have to forgive as Jesus has forgiven us. We have to fight for justice. We have to pray for the persecuted and for those who persecute us. We have to welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. We have to, to weep when others weep, to rejoice when others rejoice. Today, Jesus offers you his peace, his shalom. What we hear this morning is a story that takes place in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of pain, in the shadow of betrayal and death. And it's, it's in the midst of that darkness that Jesus speaks light and hope to his friends, to you and to me. And he says that his peace is like anything else the world might offer. The disciples, those closest friends of Jesus, have, have a hard time understanding, grasping all that Jesus is saying as he says goodbye. They, they don't quite understand how he could leave them or how they will go on without him in a difficult world. They are awaiting some, some sense of the Spirit's presence in their lives. And I, I think the same thing is true for us. We are disciples living in a difficult world. At times we may feel abandoned. At times we may feel alone. At times we may even be scared and, and not know how we can go on. But Jesus' promise is that he will give us peace in a way that no one else can. Peace that lasts. Peace that endures. Peace that changes the world. May the Holy Spirit, the, the advocate, the comforter, give you the peace which Christ promises, and may you have the courage to share it with the world. Amen. Amen.